The San Francisco 49ers have three quarterbacks to choose from going into 2023, but it looks like the right one is on the mend. We get all that and much more on today's episode of Locked on NFL. You are locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, football fans, and welcome into another episode of Locked on NFL, your daily podcast, bringing you all the biggest stories from around the National Football League. Here is a part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a daily upload. And today is Tuesday, so you boys are back. It is Luke Braun. Whoops, Luke Braun at Luke Braun NFL on Twitter. Myself, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson. Nola on Twitter. Let's not You're- explain that that for the audio nope. listeners. Nope. Glazing right past it because it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, <laughs> the two guys that really just jump on this mic and in front of these cameras, uh, hopefully to entertain you, hopefully to make you, uh, you know, make it more fun to be a football fan every day. But if nothing else, just to embarrass ourselves and uh, help you have a laugh. Uh, we appreciate Certainly without much. a plan. Right. That's for sure. No plan. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. not true. We plan. We plan. We, 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 <laughs> we do have a bulleted Look, list on the side it's, of the it's screen. The thing. Yeah. <laughs> We've at least planned that much. <laughs> we appreciate you as always for making Locked on NFL your first listen of the day every day. And a big shout out to the everydayers out there who are joining us every single day here on the show. On today's episode, we're taking a look at the NFC West division going into 2023. And we're going to kick things off with the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. The two teams that are pretty clearly on the top of that division. We'll also take a look, though, at the fight for last place that will take place between the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. And we have our usual yike and like segment, but I think it's going to be more like like and like today because we got a lot of positives going on in today's show. So Luke, um, I know that I saw your face when I said the right San Francisco 49ers quarterback is on the mend. And I I truly believe that. I truly believe that. So let me give this little update here and then we can dive into the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, according to NFL.com uh, today or on Monday, uh, the that Brock Purdy has kind of continued along his uh, rehabilitation process and everything. He's headed to New York kind of for the next steps of all that. It seems to be checking every box and it looks to be on pace to be back for the San Francisco 49ers on time. We'll see if that's true, but at least for now, things are looking good. I think that Brock Purdy is the Better of the three quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Sam Darnold being brought into consideration in terms of fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense for the San Francisco 49ers. You want to tell me why I'm wrong or do you want to pat me on the back and tell me why I'm right? (laughs) I I have questions for Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) Yeah. This is a weird. So here's the deal. The 49ers are undoubtedly a Super Bowl contender. Yes. Um, just that roster that they have, they could have 100%. a potato at quarterback and still probably win 11 games. <laughs> we uh, and they might, because this is not an inspiring group of dudes. Look, Brock Purdy, what he did last year, it, no doubt impressive, winning, what, 10, 11 games in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, the style of play that he has, there is something fundamentally unsustainable about it. Mm. It is all YOLO-ness, all just risk and scramble improvisation. There's a lot of 
making really ill-advised plays and just finding a way to make it work, which is really cool and really fun to watch. So of course, like we all love Brock Purdy, right? Um, But there comes a point where defenses figure that out and just say, hey, you know, stay on your P's and Q's, make a hard play and you can bait him into making a dumb decision. That's how you figure that out because he is susceptible to doing something super risky. He's not averse to that. Uh, And if you can bait him into doing something that is so risky and you see it coming, you can start to generate turnovers. This is the kind of thing that can fall apart if Brock Purdy doesn't have the I mean, like it's it's not the arm talent for him. It's not necessarily the the running around. Um, he can scramble in the pocket. He does have that mobility, but it's I mean it's not like Justin Fields running around, right? Or it's it's not it's not about running and getting yards. So there is something very concerning to me about that. Like if I had to place my top you know ten quarterbacks in the NFC, I'm not putting them above somebody that has that has proven more. Sure, but. Where'd Trey Lance go, guys? I, what what happened? He's not going to beat Sam Darnold now? I have questions. And, and there's a lot. of. I, I think I've seen just about every uh, local media, be it a locked on show or otherwise, have some kind of, hey, should we like trade for Trey Lance? What, what about a third rounder for him? It's like, man, if he can't beat Sam Darnold, you're giving me picks and I'll take yeah. the contract from him. <laughs> yeah, what happened? It's, yeah, it's I, one thing to not beat like Brock Purdy and, and what he did last year and he earned the job. Okay, that's great. Maybe we feel like we've we've stumbled up into something fantastic. Draft pedigree be damned. But to not be able to beat Sam Darnold or like to, to not to be in a true competition with Sam Darnold and then have people be like, yeah, I don't know who's going to win that is extremely concerning. And also with Purdy, when he's going to, is he going to be back for the start of camp for the start of the season? If he misses all of camp and still wins the camp battle, that is bleak for the other two guys. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not a great situation for either Trey Lance or Sam Darnold. And if you're the guy that's being beat by Sam Darnold, uh, you know, it's not great to begin with. I think Brock Purdy's improvisational extracurricular stuff makes the San Francisco 49ers all that much better. Every quarterback has an element to their game that defenses will eventually figure out and they'll have to figure that out and they'll have to sort of figure out how to circumvent that and how to navigate that. I think the improvisational skills of Brock Purdy, though, makes it really hard to just figure that out because you can't just figure out improvisation over on the defensive side. You can try to force them into some bad decisions, but that Kyle Shanahan offense gives you so many right decisions every single play that I think that a guy like Kyle, I mean, excuse me, a guy like, um, like Brock Purdy is is just like the perfect fit in that piece. Then you add in the San Francisco 49ers defense and what they can do with their run game. Those fantastic receivers in Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. There's lots of really good stuff uh, in San Francisco. I think San Francisco is far and away the favorite this year to win, um, the NFC West. I don't think that there's really much debate around that. Um, how, how do you feel about the NFC West champions being the San Francisco 49ers? Does that feel like the most likely scenario? For sure favored. I'm not going to count the Seahawks out, uh, yeah. but it, it would have to, I mean, that would be an upset. And it's just one that I think maybe they could do if, if everything breaks right. Right. I mean, long season, a lot of stuff can go wrong, but it's just mm-hmm. the roster the 49ers has have is just insane. Right. Christian McCaffrey, yep. Debo Samuel, Brandon, I, oh, George even Kittle, say that Christian line. McCaffrey, I'm an idiot. All kinds of really he's fun gonna stuff. Be on the one defense. of the, he's going to be the offensive player of the year in 2023. I, I really can see it. That. Christian McCaffrey it. will and, be the offensive player of the year in 2023. And with Kyle Shanahan using all of those tools and those guys can block. That's what I think people yeah. don't realize enough. Like it's a lot of really fun fantasy guys, but George Kittle can block. Debo Samuel can block. 
in front of Christian McCaffrey. How about those guys double team an edge rusher? And then suddenly, you know, your your Joey Bosa just got taken out of the play by a wide receiver and a tight end. That can happen to you. Yeah. Like, and now and now you have to figure out the rest of the, the play around that. And Christian McCaffrey has the ball. Like that is that's how they won so many games. And and I truly believe as fun as Brock Purdy's improvisation has been, um, I I believe that the 49ers did a little bit more winning in spite of him rather than because of him. Sure. And over the course of a season training camp, teams get more time to prepare for you. There's no, uh, Hey, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be healthy enough? There's everybody's just, okay. It's the Brock Purdy team. How do we prepare for Brock Purdy? We've got, uh, tape on him now. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, that's what always, that always is do. a factor. And yeah, yeah every, you're right. Every quarterback does have something that, you know, this is how defenses attack you. How do you beat it? And so, and, and we just have to see if, Brock Purdy can answer that question. I think it's the most intriguing thing about the Niners, but hey, not counting out the Seahawks. No, 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 not counting out the Seahawks. Real quick before we, uh, I think let's push this, the Seahawks. We'll do the Seahawks along with the rest of the division because this really is the San Francisco 49ers and the field right now. FanDuel has yeah. uh, the San Francisco The Cardinals 49ers. might get bumped, and to be honest, they deserve it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> San Francisco 49ers are favored right now over at FanDuel, uh, minus 165 to win the West. Next best odds are the Seattle Seahawks, Seahawks at plus 200, and then it's the Los Angeles Rams at plus 1,000, and then the Arizona Cardinals at a very distant plus 2,400. I'm double-checking, but I believe that is the, yes, that is the worst set of odds for a team to win a division in the entire NFL. So we are in no rush to talk about the Arizona Cardinals, uh, but we will get to the Seattle Seahawks and the Los Angeles Rams at the very least as we continue our preview here of the NFC West on today's episode of Lockdown NFL, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. What we uh, can talk about, though, yeah, is a place where you can maybe bet on some of those odds at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And it is a great time to join America's number one sportsbook because you can get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you whiff on that first bet. Let's say you bet a line on uh, maybe you thought that the Rockies could get within 20 of the Angels and you were wrong about that. Uh, (laughs) If you whiffed on that, it's no sweat because you could get up to a thousand bucks back on that no sweat first bet just for signing up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and claiming that no sweat first bet. FanDuel is safe, secure, and easy to use, and they pay out instantly when they win. And by the way, there's all kinds of other great promotions going on at FanDuel.com as well, so check back periodically. That is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim that $1,000 no-sweat-first-bet FanDuel make every moment more. All right, everybody, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on NFL. Thanks again to all the everydayers out there. Don't forget, we're here with you every single Monday through Friday. So tomorrow, James Rapine and Tony Wiggins are going to be bringing you uh, all the heat that they always bring. They had a great conversation about who will be the number one player in the NFL last week. They looked at uh, uh, a whole bunch of really great stuff. So awesome, awesome job over there with those guys. Make sure you come back for them. Today, though, you've got Luke Braun and Ross Jackson here. We're awesome, too. And we're talking about uh, the rest of the not-so-awesome teams in the NFL. NFC West, because if we're honest, this is not the <laughs> NFC West that we've talked about in the past, right? To where you look at 
three teams in the division that could mm -hmm. potentially win everything. This feels like it's a San Francisco 49ers and the field, but the Seattle Seahawks, I believe don't deserve to be slept on. Geno Smith was outstanding last year. I think he can be outstanding again this year. Pete Carroll, not giving up on the guy and all that. And you love to see it. So what for you? Cause you, you said that you're not willing to give up or sleep on the Seattle Seahawks as well. What keeps yeah. you engaged in those Seahawks? Look, I mean, when it comes to like winning a division, right? Nothing is ever guaranteed. Um, mm -hmm. the 49ers are heavily favored and should be, but that, that doesn't mean anything. Right. Right. Um, right. you can't take that to the bank and with, with Geno Smith and the things that the, the Seahawks are doing in the run game. And I think that the way that they've reconstructed their defense as well, um, they have put together something that I don't think a lot of us saw coming. Uh, if you listen to this kind of discussion last year, they were supposed to be a top five draft pick team. Um, and 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 they exceeded those expectations. I think we have to take that seriously and give them the, the credit that it that is due. And they're basically running back a lot of that same formula, enough at least of that same formula, yep. for me to feel like, hey, these guys can at least sneak into the playoffs. My question to you, though, Ross, is what does what do the Seattle Seahawks have to do for this to be considered a successful season? Because I think sneaking in as the seventh seed and losing in the first round again, I don't think that they'd be satisfied with that. No, not at all. I think this is a team that wants to be, well, first of all, like they want to win the division. I mean, they want to be that team that comes in and, you know, oh yeah, the San Francisco 49ers are favored and whatever, but they want to be the team that walks in there and still wins. And we know we can't get to play them twice in games. Yeah, they get exactly. You, you can't predict those games at all. Division games are always wild and wacky. And let's be real. The San Francisco 49ers have been one of the most injured teams since like 2019 yeah. every single season. And so you just never know. The greatest equalizer in sports are the injuries. And so it mm -hmm. gives you an opportunity if you either see Christian Seahawks, McCaffrey, famously durable. Yeah, right. And and look, Brock Purdy's a part of that conversation, as is Sam right. Darnold, as is Trey Lance. Like that entire quarterback room is now an injured quarterback room. Bosa's dealt with some injuries. Fred Warner's dealt with some injuries. Like there's a lot of these key guys on this team that have had trouble staying healthy sometimes. So if that happens again here in 2023, and I'm not calling any of those guys injury prone, I'm just saying they have injuries in their history. But if you have all those guys that, you know, and, and, and there's any injuries that hit any of those guys, and all of a sudden, like you're that much closer if you're the Seattle Seahawks. And the Seahawks have uh, a relatively digestible schedule, at least. I love the rushing game. You you had mentioned it. The, the combination of Kenneth Walker, who was their rookie last year, and a rookie uh, running back that they drafted this year out of Georgia, Kenny McIntosh, who I absolutely love. The guy is the best. He was the best pass protector in this year's NFL draft, Kenny McIntosh was. He's fantastic as a pass catcher, and he can run for you. So there's so many different things that they can do with this team. And oh, by the way, they still have DK Metcalf uh, to throw the ball to. Uh, as well as like another band of wide receivers that they can continue to that they can continue to dip into, and so they've got a lot of really good talent. Tyler Lockett's still there, so I, I think that the thing that like has to happen for them to be that team is that San Francisco 49, the San Francisco 49ers just need to kind of get caught slipping every now and then. And Seattle needs to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. So they need to focus on winning their games. But in particular, when they go up against San Francisco, they really, really, really have to bring it and, and, and make sure that they walk away with a couple of wins or at least split the series with San Francisco. Those are going to be must watch games, especially in the 49ers run game versus Seattle's run defense. I'm oh. going to be very curious to see how, Seattle approaches the challenge that is that yeah. rushing game, assuming, you know, everybody's healthy and it's a normal thing. Um, but I, I guess we, we should give at least a moment 
to the teams that everybody's kind of counting out. So for, for the Rams and Cardinals, um, what does the world look like where one of these teams surprises? Cause like with the Rams, look, Matt Stafford and Cooper cup have a crazy season. Cooper cup goes off for 2000 yards. Like what if that happens? Right. Like, yeah. There's a Aaron Donald gets 20 sacks or something like there's, mm-hmm. there's a world. Right. And I feel sort of similar, like, Hey, Kyler Murray's still Kyler Murray. Like what if he just wills them to a random, you know, 10 win season and they sneak into the playoff. Is this a, a possibility in more than just the, Hey, anything's possible. It's the NFL or is it, a, it, it it's, am I dreaming? No, I, I would buy the Los Angeles Rams a little bit more. I'll tell you, I spoke to somebody that has really close ties to to the Rams, and and they basically told me, uh, yeah, this is going to be a three-win team in 2023. So there's not a lot of confidence oh, no. <laughs> over there right now. And so it was just me like catching up with an old friend and stuff like that, and then we were having that conversation. But like, there's not a ton of confidence over there. But I wouldn't give that. I mean, they still have Sean McVay, like you mentioned. They still have good yeah. pieces all over the place. And so you never count out a good coach and a good quarterback. And that's a good relationship that those two have as well. And so you never count them out. So I would say that like, in order to see something really go right to where that team wins the division, I think that that's really just a simple situation to where like they keep their head down, they focus on their game, they're playing a third place schedule or whatever it is. Like they they have an easy enough road ahead of them to where maybe they can knock off and win a, get a couple of wins here. Um, as the Arizona Cardinals, it's end of days. That's that's the only way that they <laughs> that they win the division. I what, mean, what is a successful season for the Arizona Cardinals? Survive uh, like this. The stadium uh, doesn't go underground. The, yeah, the, I mean, the organization doesn't collapse into Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. It, okay, I, I'll be real. I'll be real for a moment and say I think that like a, a successful season for Arizona is coming in at like eight and nine, seven and 10, a respectable season with some wins in the division. You can't go, you know, you can't do that and be winless in the division. You gotta, you know, get a couple of those New York jets, finally toppling the Buffalo bills, finally sure. toppling go the upset New York, New someone England ruin a season. Yeah. You know, like, you know, or maybe you have, you know, like last year, everybody considered the Lions season a success. Right. And that was a season where they didn't go to the Super Bowl, but or they didn't go to the playoffs at all, but they yeah, won it, that last they game. Off that Packers. Yeah, yeah, played spoiler like that. That I think is a place where you could see if Seattle, excuse me, if Arizona has a season like Detroit had last year, not even just circumstantially, but like record wise, all these other things. But if they have a season like Detroit has la- had last year, then good for them. Like that's a very successful season. I, am I buying that that will happen? No, but not me either. Yeah, but, but that's like, I what's the goal? You like, know, where are the sights set? Yeah. Yeah, it, for for me with the Cardinals, like for the Rams, it doesn't. It feels like whatever the future of the Rams is, it's not the Rams that are in place. Because even if they yeah. find a way to turn things around and get successful, too many of them are old. The next chapter is coming, you know, whether you like it or not. Right. But for the Cardinals, it does feel like, hey, I want to see at the end of this season, I want to be able to look at the Arizona Cardinals and say, okay, this is the vision. Right. Yep. Uh, I see what they should build around now. Like I want a, a, a bit of direction for them. Um, they seem like they're more on the downturn than the upturn, just they, with, with the losses that they've sustained uh, mm-hmm. on their roster and, you know, changing out with like GMs, Austin Fort and all that. So it seems like yep. they're kind of trying to transition out of their old thing before they transition into their new thing. I want to see a little bit about what their new thing is. For me, it bothers me a lot when franchises do a lot of tearing down what the old guy did and the new guy doesn't actually 
put in place what he wants to. And it's mm-hmm. like, what are you waiting for, man? You, yeah, you, find that identity like right away. Yeah. Get that. I, I need to at least see what it is, right? Rome wasn't built in a day. Nobody's expecting it to be built mm-hmm. in a day. But I need to at least see where it's going. And whether that is a four-win season, but they were all interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about like the Bears season last year. Three wins, awful yeah. year. But you saw where it was going. And that's really all you could have asked of it. This mm-hmm. is where I feel like the Cardinals are now, you know, yep. worst team in the league, but you feel like you know where it's going. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Actually, I think that is a, a way for Arizona to find uh, some success. So I think we're in agreement here. San Francisco 49ers are the uh, favorites. Seattle Seahawks definitely watching. They're kind of the biggest challenges for the top of the NFC West. The wild card of, of sorts, maybe yeah. literally. I would probably call, I would, yeah, maybe literally, I would maybe call the Los Angeles Rams a real like watch out for type of team, like could surprise right. you kind it's, of a team. a team that like, I'm not expecting them in the playoffs, but if you've got the Rams coming up, you got to like pay attention. Yes. Yeah. You can't sleep on that team. You can't look ahead to the next week. You you have to still yeah. game plan for that loss. Cardinals, Rams. you can put in your twos and still probably get there, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you got if you have a week 13 matchup with the Arizona Cardinals, you're, you're, you're practicing they're, for week 14. Yeah. You're, you're their minds ready. are in Cabo for sure. <laughs> 100%. All right. Coming up next, we're going to go through our, uh, our usual yike and like segment, but I think we're going to be very positive in this one. So we're going to go like, yeah. and like, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit of uh national championship goodness, as well as just a couple of feel-good stories around the NFL that you should know about. Got that coming up for you as we continue on and wrap up today's episode of Locked On NFL, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, y'all, wrapping up today's episode of Locked On NFL. Luke and I have a tradition here on the show every Tuesday on Locked On NFL where we do yike and like. One thing that's a yike, one thing we didn't like throughout the week, one like, one thing that we did like throughout the week. But Luke, I've got two likes for this week. So I'm coming through mad positive. What about you? Unfortunately, that means you need to be jailed. Yep. All right. You've broken the rules. Yeah. The CIA is coming. My yike is that I'm going to prison. Uh, it's bail 27th, uh, as this show will be published, it's June yeah. 27th. It's let's, let's have some positivity. I love it. We could do some positivity. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to start off with, with one real quick because it's not, it's not fully like NFL related. It's more like Ross personally related. Uh, and so we can get that out of the way real quick, but the LSU Tigers baseball team just won the men's college world series. Uh, and maybe my favorite part about the, yes, it's all point at the ring finger. Everybody point at the ring finger, uh, <laughs> Joe Burrow, Angel Reese, Dylan Cruz. We all know what's going on here. So it's really that, that part's really cool, but there's also this really fun thing that happens throughout the college world series as well. That's a part of this. So I love LSU winning, uh, you know, they, in, in three, you know, since 2019, they've got a football championship, national championship. They've got a women's basketball national championship. And then now this, baseball champ national championship which is awesome um but the thing that i want to also highlight here is that kind of parallel to the college world series is the rocco's uh jello shot challenge which takes place in omaha to where team team fans will come and buy jello shots and then they'll keep a tally oh. of how many jello shots were they- okay i saw the white i was wondering what this was that's the whiteboard thing that i've been like retweeting like for a week and a half now uh so basically what it is is that 
Last year, Old Miss set a record with like 18,777 Jello shots purchased throughout the two weekends. The total tournament that year bought like 3,100. If there's any, or 31,000. If there's anything that you know about Louisiana outside of spooky stuff, uh, it, and Mardi Gras, it's that like, we like to drink here in Louisiana and, uh, Baton Rouge went in as very the unique favorites. to Louisiana, yes. very much yeah. only one state that really <laughs> loves to get after it. Hey, 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 we, this is the cocktail was invented here. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> don't, don't mess with me. The entire so. state of Wisconsin cried out and then was suddenly silenced. <laughs> but so 31,000 was the total last year. LSU alone this season, Luke. Take a guess at how many Jello shots LSU fans bought while in Omaha before the final game. Before the final game, so before I saw some game. of the tallies. So I've got a general okay. sense of the pace. It wasn't it like forty-five thousand. It was, but before the final game, it was sixty-four thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so they have more LSU fans have more than doubled the entire tournament sales last year in Jello shot purchases. Pretty incredible. It's probably going to be close to 80,000 by the time that the night is over and Nebraska might be out of alcohol before LSU leaves. So <laughs> the entire state. So really just fun and incredible stuff. Uh, real feel good stuff uh, around that right now. Can't tell you the last time I had a Jello shot. I've and never that's had not, not because I, I, I but I, I don't remember that night. My <laughs> favorite thing. of the, uh, my One of my favorite things of the week. I do have two likes uh, mm -hmm. is. The Pittsburgh Maulers of the USFL. Yes. Now, the USFL, we haven't hyped it up as much as the XFL. For whatever reason, the XFL grips me more. I can't really explain it. No, no mm -hmm. shade on the USFL, though. They've, they're have they going through their second season. They're going to finish a second season. Big deal for a spring league. Which is great. Uh, but the yeah. Pittsburgh Maulers in the inaugural season of the USFL won a singular game. Absolute disaster of a team. Yeah. They didn't have the guys. and It's so interesting with these spring leagues because your rosters can be entirely different. Guys get redrafted, moved around, traded the the format is so different as guys get signed to the NFL and other guys mm -hmm. lose their jobs and there's a whole new pool of talent. You can really rebuild your team in a year. Well, the Pittsburgh Mullers are headed to the championship this weekend. That's incredible. Uh, after defeating the, oh shoot, who did they beat? In the, they the won the breakers, conference. <laughs> no, that was the okay. Birmingham Stallions beat the breakers, beat yeah. the breaks off the breakers. Beat the breaks off the breakers, yes. Uh, but the Pittsburgh Maulers won a very exciting overtime game in the North Division Championship mm -hmm. and are making it to the championships. A shout out to Ray Horton. Shout out to that entire Pittsburgh Maulers group for uh, finding the turnaround. Yeah, what a turnaround. That's remarkable. You know how I know that the Breakers got well, the Michigan Panthers. beat off of them? Michigan Panthers. Who also, the other worst team in the league, by the way, in the U.S. Wow, and they year. both were that They both close. turned around, and they both were the, the teams that made the playoffs out of their division. What a fun league, man. Um, yeah. The way that I knew that the New Orleans Breakers got the breaks beat off of them, by the way, is that the New Orleans, Bra New Orleans Breakers Twitter account simply tweeted, final the word final with <laughs> no, the, no score with the score which you know which and, and just has like the uh like the graphic with the score on it but you know like that final Speaking tweet of the if it says it's final it's like oof, yeah, we, we're moving we on know here. you're frustrated and we know you don't want to hear it <laughs> right so we're just gonna say final here's the photo we're out and they put a yeah. period after the final too to really oh, finalize yeah, it's like you didn't need to do that <laughs> that's great though that's really cool i love that league usfl is a lot of fun um Mine goes to a little bit. My second light goes to a little bit of an alternative league as well. We know that the rise in flag football as a 
uh, like professional uh, league and professional sport is, is is ongoing. We've seen some, you know, it's on world stages now, all this other stuff. Well, one of the things that we saw during the Super Bowl this past year was a commercial for Run With It. And so the this was a commercial commemorating women in sports and women in flag football in particular. And it starred uh, Team Mexico player uh, Diana Flores, who is like a phenom on the field. Like, And so basically the way that this commercial goes is that she's doing a sideline interview with someone. And as they're doing it, she the sideline interview, the sideline reporter tries to take her flag. Right. And so she ends up just like, you know, okie dokin that person and then has to run away from like everyone the security guards are chasing her the parking guards are chasing her people who are going back to their car they're chasing her she goes to her mom's kitchen and her mom starts to chase her she's got to like juke her mom right. out sauce gardeners there there's like all this other stuff so it's just a really cool commercial it was it was undeniably the best super bowl commercial this past year well that super bowl commercial was so good not only did it win an emmy but it also ended up being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which means that Diana Flores became the first flag football player, man or woman, to have artifacts of hers placed in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which include the jersey that she was wearing as well as the ball that she was carrying in the commercial. Super, super cool and really good recognition for uh, somebody that is making taking the the game of football and helping to make it worldwide and accessible to those who maybe yeah. don't want to take the hits and stuff like that have a way to right. still play the the physicality of football is ultimately i i think however long it takes or many decades it makes it's going to be the thing that kills the sport right um, as as fewer and fewer parents are willing to put their kids in it but if flag mm -hmm. football can become that alternative that might be the future yeah um really my second like goes to uh this article it goes to Pac-Man Jones. This is not news to Pac-Man Jones. This is a long story over many, many years written by Zach Kiefer at The Athletic, who does phenomenal, phenomenal work. Mm -hmm. uh, taking in uh, the family of a very good friend of his from Cincinnati and truly the story of, of maturation. I mean, when you think of uh, Pac-Man Jones, what do you think of? Yeah, it's usually not the greatest thoughts it's usually it's like off field it's that he's a knucklehead he can't stay out of issues. trouble yeah maybe it's kick returns right yeah. um that is the reputation that he has and he almost flamed his way out of the league because he just couldn't stay out of trouble until he made mm -hmm. it to cincinnati and he kind of found the environment that was right for him um and sort of i i think there was a wake-up call of I'm going to lose my, my, I'm going to lose football. I'm going to lose everything if I don't shape up. You know, it's, I think it finally got to him after the, the like second or third team cut him. Um, and in Cincinnati, he, I mean, he didn't really get in trouble that much in, like enough in Cincinnati. He had a pretty good run in Cincinnati yeah. and he yeah. got very close with a guy you might remember named Chris Henry, who unfortunately passed away. And the whole story is about him essentially becoming the like trainer, coach, and father figure to Chris Henry's kids. Wow. Uh, after Chris Henry passed away and really finding a purpose in that, you know, uh, it really cool with a lot of guys as they grow up and mature through the sport. And it's one of the things that football can do for people um, is it can be a path through which someone finds their purpose. Mm. Uh, and that alone for some people, Hey, that makes it worth the bruises. Yeah, absolutely. How cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Maybe that's that's the thing that we should uh, remember Adam Pac-Man Jones for. <laughs> it certainly now. is for me now. now. That's the thing. That's awesome. 
All right, Luke, always a pleasure. And to you, thank you very much for tuning in, for being with us here for another episode of Locked on NFL here on this Tuesday. Once again, make sure that you're back tomorrow making us your first listen every day. Tony and James going to take you through all the biggest stories around the NFL, as well as some of their really, really good banter. So you're going to make sure you tune in for that and much more here on Locked on NFL and across the Locked on Podcast Network. For Luke Braun, I am Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter. You can find him on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. We appreciate you very much for being an everyday or being here with us, making us your first listen of the day, and of course for uh, for checking out the show. If you need anything else around the National Football League, we got you covered here, and you can check out all your favorite teams, local shows here on the Lockdown Podcast Network as well. We'll see you here soon. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Lockdown NFL, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day.